You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Hey, welcome to the Interrobang Room. I'm your host, Doug Wither, up here with John Hernandez and Zach Witt, asking questions that help us dive into a life of passionate curiosity. And here is the question for the day, fellas, and it's, uh, I'm going to answer the first one. Um, so what is, that, what is the happiest place on earth? What is the happiest place on earth? It's, I'll tell you where it's not. <laughs> it's not Disney World. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. It would not even make make my top fifty. I think uh, he just I think he just turned off about two hundred people that we know really? like yeah, no oh, yeah. Do people really like it? Ask Wesley Shell. I mean, we have families that spend their whole year planning for two Disney. weeks at Disney. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I I mean not, I don't know, but they do. Like here's my disclaimer. Dad, two small kids. We happen to have a conference in Orlando, it seems like, every two years. And so we've gone as a family about every two years of our life. And I loved, I loved it for my kids. I loved watching my kids experiencing it. But standing in lines in 95-degree sweat-dripping weather all day... Now let me let me just preface that is not we, so we have place on we have had the opportunity to be there all at the same time True. together. Yep. Yeah. That was one of the best days that I've had. At, I lived in Lakeland or Florida for for a while, right. so we had season passes. Sure. That day was one of the best days because of the experience. If you have fast passes to everything and you can cut the lines, yep. yeah, that's fun. I'm going to tell you, I think the... the we, it was fun. It was, it was amazing. It was a great day. I think some of it, too, is uh, living in South Florida, as long as I did, um, I, I do think that some of the Disney World is 80% in your head and 20% the experience of. Meaning, yeah. for some of these people, it's, I'm watching Disney movies, I'm planning the trip online, I'm sending out MapQuest, this is what we're going to do on Thursday, here are the restaurants we're going to... Then they get there and they do it. I, I don't think the experience ever lives up to all the planning and the hype, but yeah, there's something to it, man. There's some people who they're diehard. Well, let's people, start yeah. the podcast over. Hi, this is the Interbang Room. I'm Doug <laughs> Witherup, and I'm a horrible person <laughs> because I don't like Disney World. Is there a place oh. like Disney World that when you get that you get to? You experience it, 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 and it makes you feel like a kid again. Well, well, let's go. So let's guess, and I'll, I'll address that in the <laughs> in the topic. So here's here's what started. We started this topic. We we're going to talk about generosity and generosity's connection to joy, and that started. So I started doing some research on all this, and I just Googled, um, "What is the happiest place on earth? Where is the happiest place on earth?" I, I just Googled that. And so that led to an article, which led to another study, which led to, and I'm like five articles deep, and I'm just, I just become fascinated in this. Um, so basically, there is a, and I'll, and I'll give you the website, I'll give everybody the website. So it's just like happiness, um, 
the happiness report, world happiness. World so happiness. world happiness dot report, world happiness dot report. So number one, define happiness, right? I know there's, that'd probably be all over the place, but, um, um, anyway, they've been doing this study now for about, for about seven years. So in 2013, they started doing this study and it is fascinating time after time after time. Like it's not just one country that dominates the, the top three. It's one region of the world. And I told you all I got, I told you guys all of this beforehand. I wish I wouldn't have, cause I would have liked to seen like your, your guesses. So, um, maybe our listeners can, can uh, guess right now what what region of the world um, is the happiest? But uh, over and over again, it's the Norwegians. It's the it's that that Nordic um, uh, region. In fact, where are my top where are my top seven? So this year um, was Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland. Uh, what, what else was in there? Iceland and Norway and, and Norway. And the, the first, like, um, what was the first non Norwegian one to make the list? Uh, New Zealand, New Zealand came in at number, number eight, John, you have not seen the list, correct? No. Uh, any guesses to where the U S uh, landed? I mean, if you're asking a question about happiness in our current uh, political climate, I'm going to say dead last. <laughs> Just because uh, the anxiety and tension in the streets right now are, is palatable. Well, so this was in March. This was post COVID had started, but they did that. This came out in, in March. So I mean, no, we're not. We're not last. I, we're not last. Yeah, I would probably. I mean, I'd probably put us in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Right. So so well, we're eight, is... we're eighteen out of out of hundred and thirty. Okay. I think so. Yeah. So we're we're in the top twenty. Dead dead last. I mean, no surprise to anybody, but. Um, is the region of the world that is just war torn. Um, you don't know if you're going to walk out of the house yeah. and get shot. So it's yeah. Afghanistan, um, the South Sudan, Zimbabwe, Rwanda, uh, countries like that are at the, at the bottom, which is cer certainly understandable. Tan Tanzania surprised me. Yeah, it did me too. Have, having been there for a while, I, you know, spending a summer there, that surprised me. Yeah. So I made it out. <laughs> So, so, so this is what I, this is what I want to dive into. Then I, the, so again, one article led to the other. So why is it like seven years running, these Norwegian countries just happiest in the world, happiest in the world. So what is it about? So there was this one article um, that gave this was like the top five advice from being happy um, from Finland, and uh, the top one the top one was this um, to experience the relaxation of the forest. So 70% of Finland is co covered by forests. The air, clean, uh, serene. One guy said nature is our secret. Um, so according to scientific re research, just 15 minutes in the forest calms the pulse mm. and your body starts to rest. But even if you can't, and then it goes on to, to say some things. So Zach, we spent some time in the woods just last week. Yeah. Like, what do you think it, it is about the woods that... Um, it's calming. It makes people happy. You know, I, I think it's just, uh, it allows you to truly block everything else out. Because when you're out there, you, you, that's where you are. So the only people that were around were, were me or were you, myself, and Nate. And we found ourselves uh, getting in the cold water. Yeah. Uh, but it was just the experience as a whole. Which is number two. 
Getting in the getting in cold <laughs> water, in and cold I know water. people are like, "What are the keys to being happy in my life?" You're like, "More vacations and more money." No, it's it's uh, the woods and cold yeah. water. You have access to those. It's like so. this minimalistic mindset, right? Like yeah. we didn't we didn't have a lot of stuff with us, right? We we kind of just followed the trail. Yeah. We were in the woods. Started raining a little bit, but it was always enjoyable. E- even though the uh, the trek was not the easiest, it was right. a little difficult uh, climbing up and down and getting you down started to the waterfall. Running well. Because I was euphoric in that moment. No, no. Who does, Zach, who does that? On, we're on a hike. I've got the backpack. You jokers okay, don't even have a backpack. it was three pounds. It was three pounds. <laughs> like, it was. You didn't have a 40-pound rucksack. You had a, you had a Jan Sport backpack <laughs> with an extra shirt in it. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I had like three granola bars in there. <laughs> that you ate all mind. of, so you had all the energy. <laughs> But we, we were hiking back, and Zach goes into this trot, and before we know it, we're running. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. We're running. John, outdoors, growing up, what was, like, just some favorite outdoor activities? So um, probably what's going to surprise you guys is I'm probably more outdoors than you think. I know I'm not the guy. Like, I was the guy who opted not to go on the trek. But, <laughs> but it that was really had, simple. In fairness to you, that had more to do with the work with your workload. Yes, and I, I, prefaced, <laughs> I prefaced that walk. I asked one question, and that was, are you guys going to actually just walk through? I got a new camera. I would love to take pictures. You guys don't enjoy nature. You compete in nature. And those are two different things. I no. wasn't ready to compete. I wasn't going to run. You to ran back. <laughs> I knew You're exactly no, what was going to happen. But I enjoyed, I exactly I enjoyed the, the mile and a half, two miles in. I enjoyed getting in the water. Because <laughs> you got in first. You're not wrong uh, because that's that's because someone said, "Hey, go test it out." <laughs> well, you know. So I, I say that to say uh, I actually enjoy outdoors quite a bit. As a kid, I was always outside. Mm. Growing up in South Florida, what a lot of people don't know about South Florida, and it's also it's actually called the the Venice of the United States because there's so many canals and lakes okay. and rivers. So we would make makeshift rafts and boat over to random isolated plots of land with trees that we built tree houses in. I was rarely inside. And, um, you know, although it was a metropolitan area, like, you know, there's a, there's concrete all over the place. There's still enough of nature to be connected, uh, with the outdoors. So yeah, I loved it. Jumping in like, and this probably wasn't the safest deal, but we would jump in canals, alligator infested. We'd ride our bikes off of ramps into canal. Like I'd loved Water, I've always been a water person. I love trees. Yeah, it's a big part of who I was as a kid. So still in, in the middle of this, I mean, I, I think it's timely. We're talking about the, the happiest place on earth and, like, what are some keys? Like, I want to – that's one thing that, that I always enjoy doing. Like, um, hey, who is somebody not just, oh, here's five philosophical ideas of how to live a better life. Like, okay, for seven years running, you, yeah. guys, won, you guys won the happiness thing, and you're yeah. telling me how to be happy. I'm leaning in, right? Yeah. I'm listening. And they're saying – Number one, get out, get outside. You gotta get outside. What are some ways uh, that listeners can get outside? No, you know, so we're November in North Carolina. It's starting to get cooler, but still, we we have like great outdoor weather in, yeah. in November in in Carolina. Um, what can people do? I mean, I, I would say just pull up your phone and just Google the closest uh, trail to yeah. hike. Yeah. Uh, be, being in the Carolinas where we are, you can drive 15 minutes up to three hours and find trails everywhere. And this is what I would say. Don't go with an agenda. Go to explore. That's good. Uh, so when we went out, it was, okay, hey, let's, let's go 
find that trail and I think there's some water. All right, let's go. And so even in our hike, it wasn't let's hike to this point. It was we found the spot. Oh, I've never been down there before. Let's go. That's so, uh, that's so good. We found this summer, we found two places right near our house that we didn't know were yeah. there. Um, fishing spots and yep. one of them some of these fishing spots don't require license right now during covid because they're like we're not checking so that was really cool we didn't have to pay just take the kids fishing. that's awesome yeah. and, as, and as much as i love the uh explore grab your map figure out what's close um one of the things that i just want to implore as many people to do is just get out and walk your neighborhood yeah there's something yeah. uh, there's something magical when you can figure out how to get lost in your own backyard. Um, I say that because as a kid, we didn't have cars, so we couldn't go anywhere. But I'm going to tell you, within five minutes of my house, I had places that were just full of adventure. Uh, I think it, for me, it's important that not just for me, but I teach my kids how to explore, how to be curious. I know it's a tough time to do that at points, and there's some things to be concerned about, but I just miss the days when kids rode bikes yeah. and, and yeah. there's something about that. So yes, explore the local nature trails, but also take long, long walks in your neighborhood. I, one of the things that I've been doing lately is if I know I'm going to get on a series of phone calls, uh, I am a walker when I f make phone calls. So I, you'll find me pacing my house or pacing around the computer. And if I'm sitting down and on a phone call, I'm anxious. So I've just started putting my AirPods in and walking around the neighborhood. Like, without an agenda, trying to figure out what's what. Um, and after I'm done with the phone call, the trick is trying to find your way back home, taking yeah. a couple snapshots of some of the things you see. I, I heard one, it's so funny, I was listening to a podcast about taking walks and uh, little games and stuff that you can just do on the road. One of them was take a picture of things from a different, uh, from different color shades. So by the time they're done with their walk, they have something that's red, something that's, that's blue, cool. something that's, cool, that's yellow, yeah. something that's green. And it forces you to kind of think outside the scope of my day and my routine. And I've got all this stuff on my mind and really explore what's around you. Hey, let me give you one more practical. Maybe you have uh, younger kids like me. I have a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, man, how do we get, how do we get her outdoors? Right. How do we get her, her engaged? Um, but we have a, a few local farms like Patterson Farms, Calhoun, Calhoun Farms, where they have like some little petting zoos. And yeah. my daughter loves animals. So we let her put her boots on, play in the mud, pet all the animals, but just Google what's close to you. Yeah. I'm sure there's something within a 15, 20 minute driving range that you can kind of find to get into. Yeah, absolutely. The second one, you, you don't have to leave your house. Nope. <laughs> it's cold water, cold water, which, sound, which sounds crazy. So listen to the science before you shut this thing off. Uh, listen to this. So Finns, fin the Finnish people love swimming in the winter in the winter in a lake or the sea as much as they love the sauna. So the secret of plunging into icy water lies in the feeling that surges through your body once you get out of the water, says Jimenez. Um, uh, as soon as you're back on dry land, your circulation kicks in, your body starts to warm up, it makes you feel happy. So the science here is that your body's producing a mood balancing hormone uh, which is serotonin, and that combines with dopamine, and stress starts to melt away. Zach, again, we did we did this last week, and it was it was eerily um, enjoyable. Yeah, and mood elevating. Yeah, energy elevating. It was. I remember just kind of getting in the water, and those first few steps, right? It, it really is cold. Yeah, uh, and this, and and I'll, you know. Uh, cards on the deck. This wasn't ice water. It was 
No, it wasn't. I'm looking at the uh, average temperatures of Finland in the winter. It wasn't that cold. <laughs> what, it, what is Finland? Oh, you're, you're, you're talking zero to five degrees Celsius on average. So 32 to 41 degrees. Okay. So, so is the objective to release serotonin and dopamines? Because there's other ways of doing that without plunging myself in freezing <laughs> cold water. Yeah, but it's also called a narcotics habit. Oh, no, no. There's other ways. Oh, okay. There's other ways. All like, right. Okay. There's, there's other healthy ways. <laughs> no, this is not Preface, a... I'm healthy. Not healthy ways. Drug addiction. That's not the objective of this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that water we were in was what? 50s? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't be, colder than the it, 50s. It had to be. It, it was... It was a... I, I will say this. Having taken ice baths, um, regularly playing athletics and kind of being around collegiate athletics when I uh, worked in higher ed, it was as cold as an ice bath. Uh, so I, I would say it was 50 to 55 degrees, 57 degrees. Um, so it was, it was cold. Yeah, the water yeah, was yeah. Cold. It was take your breath away cold. Um, but I'll, I'll say that, I, and I kind of jokingly said it, but it really was a euphoric kind of Absolutely. Uh, moment. We kind of stood there. And, and as we're, you know, waist deep, chest deep in the water – we really did started started noticing our surroundings a little more. Like I can like close my eyes and just remember the fog. Absolutely, I can remember that the water coming down. I can yeah. remember you even at one point kind of uh, put your shoulders underneath kind of the cascading water of, of the waterfall, and and you almost just have that that memory etched in your brain. I think Absolutely. there's something about it that it shocks your system so much. Yeah, um, that it is almost this out of body experience that that causes you to remember it. For sure. There's a guy named uh, Wim Hof. Yep. So W-I-M-H-O-F-F. I certainly, uh, my disclaimer is I certainly do not ascribe to a lot of his uh, beliefs. However, his cold therapy stuff is amazing. Yep. So this guy has climbed Mount Everest in shorts. No big He's deal, climbed right? Mount Everest <laughs> in shorts. He, University of Midi, uh, Michigan has done a study on him. The guy, he, he regulates his internal body temperature um, through breathing. And he's got a whole breathing thing that he walks you through. I've done it. It's, pr it's crazy. I mean, you want to talk about feeling that euphoric feeling after, after just breathing. It's crazy. But his, his whole thing is these, these ice baths. And um, I think part of his story is he lost his wife mm. and part, he was just trying to find like therapy. Like, how do I, how do I get better? How do I um, cope with this? And it was, it was this cold. So the, the practical suggestion, because most of us don't have a cascading waterfall in our, in our backyard is like, even Wim Hof says 15 seconds, start with 15 seconds of a cold shower. So he's got, uh, you, again, you can Google it. It's like a 30 day cold shower challenge. So I think you start with like 15 seconds and try and elevate f about five seconds every day. And I don't do it in the win winter. I probably should, but I do it other times. And it really does it. Like it gives you an energy jolt in the yeah. morning. I mean, Maybe you're just mad because the shower is cold, but what <laughs> adrenaline rush? Who's, who, the, another way to wrong. do it, um, you could do this to members in your family of just turn on the <laughs> hot water and continually flush the toilet while they're in the shower and shout out things like, I'm trying to help you. I, <laughs> I so. wonder if it's the opposite, though. Like, do you think we're more susceptible to like frustration and anxiety if we take hot showers? Because. <laughs> I'm just, just wondering if it's I the other know. way around because if it is, I'm going to have to change some habits real quick. <laughs> I am a soaker. I absolutely so love soaking in a warm tub. Like that is game day for me. So 
if that's a problem, <laughs> to so change some. I know you say that jokingly, but I'm for not. me, I this is just a practice that I have. Yeah, I'll do the cold in the morning. Okay, and I'll do the heat at the night. I'm I, after working out or. Yeah, I'll say. I know people say, "Hey, take an ice bath after you work out." I do that as well, uh, but man, there's something just about a warm or as hot as I can kind of stand the water uh, after I work out that just kind of releases stuff. But I, I mean, I practice both. You guys up for a challenge? Thirty days. I was just gonna say until the next podcast. Oh, well. I'm up. All right, I'm so let's try. Up. Let's try from this Tuesday to next Tuesday, and ending the shower with at least fifteen seconds of just cold. And we'll report back. I will say just out of doing a little bit of reading and a little bit what I know, um, the addition of these chemicals into you should definitely shock your system. There are ways of navigating higher dopamines in your everyday life, like exercising. Zach will probably be a big proponent of this, but also just getting good sleep will help generate some of these in your life on an everyday basis. Wait, so just caveat, that doesn't get you out of the cold showers. I'm in. Okay. No, no, That's I'm the first one. Right. He didn't commit. So I'm the first one. The I, I have no problems with that. Then my wife will love that. That means more hot water for her in the morning. There you go. This, this podcast is quickly taking all kinds of rabbit, tra rabbit trails. Let's do it. S sleep. Yeah. So did you see, do you guys watch Shark Tank? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, did you see the episode? It's called Hug, Hug Sleep. Like a weighted blanket. No, no. So it's the same concept, but the guy started with a weighted blanket and he said um, he loved he loved it, but he quickly experienced the problems. I guess I, I haven't done a lot of reading on it, but um, you can't, number one, you can't wash it. Number two, it's, it gets hot. It's really hot. So it's mm. all the heat trapped under there. So what he started researching were how can I – uh, experience the effects of the weighted blanket without the weight. And so for him, it was compression. So what they, it's basically like swaddling a baby. Yeah. Huh. You're swaddling it's yourself exactly with, a, with like a, a nylon sleeping bag. But anyway, so it's pressure. It's that combined with pressure therapy. So they do this uh, apparently with, with autistic children. It's pressure therapy. Oh, wow. It elevates your mood. It elevates emotions, that sort of thing. Um, but it's like the feeling of being hugged. Huh. And... My, they, they, they got a deal with Mark and Lori. So the, all five sharks were like, we'll, we'll give you a deal. Um, but they got a deal with Mark and Lori. And I think this was fairly recent. My guess is they'll be millionaires by next week. Cause you know, like, what do people want? They want sleep. Yeah. And with all this loneliness and isolation, you and we, did whole, we did a whole, we did a whole episode on, on this. Yeah. Like we need, we need hugs. Yeah. yeah so we had, um, Mike and Noah who were adopted, um, were premature. And um, they were swaddled the whole time that they were in the NICU. I mean, and you're talking, they were in the NICU for three to four months. Wow. So the first night we got a chance to bring them home, the doctor scared the nonsense out of us and was like, they can't be swaddled. Because the fear was the blanket would wrap in the uncomfortable places and, and potentially choke them out. And because you've never done this before, don't swaddle the kid. You can give them a blanket, but don't swallow them. Well, they'd been swaddled for three to four months every day. And then... Remember, swaddling is to replicate what's right. happening in the womb. Right, exactly. Micah's first night and Noah's first night, these boys were just screaming. screaming. They're moving yeah. their arms because they didn't have that much yeah. freedom with their arms in the incubators. And I mean, they're just, I'm two o'clock in the morning, I'm at Target looking for Velcro swaddles. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I must have looked like a maniac. I was so frustrated at the doctors. But the moment we, we, we tightened them up, there was something that you can just see chemically happen in them, and they were out. Wow. 
out cold. Wow. It's fascinating. That is fascinating. So, all right, let's, let's knock these uh, last three out. If you want to be happy, do what the Finns do. Number one, go outside. Number two, take cold baths or showers. Uh, number three is read a book. Read a book. So one of my favorite questions that I love being asked and love asking, but what are, and I know, I know, because I can, when people ask me this question, I'm like, I don't know, what am I reading lately? Um, pull out, so let me give you time to pull out your phone and go on your Amazon um, list, which is what I'm going to do I don't have my phone right here, now. Do uh, you want my? It's fine. Here, go on my, or go on your, oh, I go on your iPad. That. He literally so, has his iPad John, right in front of him. What are the three best books that you've read lately? Oh, you're killing me, Doug. You're killing me. Um, so brand storytelling, putting your customers at the heart of the brand of the story. Um, full disclosure, my cousin's wife, uh, Medianis Rodriguez, who is a brilliant social media uh, evangelist. She's worked for Microsoft um, and other companies. She wrote a book on... Um, just how to be a better storyteller with brands. I would suggest it for anyone who is trying to leverage the power of social media to get your message out. Um, it, it's going to give you some practical how-tos, but at the core of it, it really just trains you on how to be a good storyteller. And there's a lot of like really good morsels, like um, the like how to. Um, how to empathize with your list with your listener or your client, yeah. depending on how you look at it. So it's just a brilliant book. And um, again, that's um, uh, Medianis Rodriguez is the name of the uh, author, and the book is Brand Storytelling. Put your customer at the heart of your brand story. Um, trying to think the other books that I've read recently. The truth is, I'm still dealing with a little p uh, PTSD from all of my master's reading. <laughs> um, so man, get back to me. Zach, get back, to Zach. Me. What's uh? What's one or two that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, lately? so one book that I've uh, – we actually did a, a group kind of book study on this, um, and I want to make sure I get the, the title correct. How to Be an Anti-Racist, I'm 90% sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's the name of the book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, by Kendi, K-E-N-D-I. Okay. Uh, we, we read through that, just dealing with all the, the racial tension. I, I think that, you know, we've mentioned this in, in uh, conversations before. Uh, just stay, staying in tune to what's going on in culture. Yeah. Um, uh, full disclosure, I've probably read 37 children's books at night. Uh, <laughs> I typically go through four or five a night. Um, I can tell you all about the blub blub fish <laughs> or the, the pout pout fish with okay. his pout pout face. Gotcha. And he spreads dreary wearies all over the place. <laughs> oh, I've met him. Blub blub blub. I know that blub. fish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I can tell you all about that, that book. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with John. I am in the middle of article. I'm just diving finishing up the the phd yeah. so it's, it's all article based so i can tell you everything yeah. about a leadership or non-leadership that you want to know there you go so, so some of the ones that i've been reading through um picked up an autobiography on uh winston churchill called walking with destiny i just i did that for the standpoint of he led through utter chaos yep. and um havoc and so like what are some what are some principles there as a leader that I can learn from somebody that, that led successfully through that? Um, our group that uh, I help lead 
um, is walking through a John Bevere book called Multipliers. It's actually a pre-release. So uh, I think November 17th it comes out, but it has been fascinating. It's the premise of that is like, um, it's, it, these are my words, not Bevere's, but like kind of the myth of the goal line, right? So it's, it's um, success in life is not achieving a thing because number one, the goal line's always moving. So as soon as you think you're, you, as soon as you think you hit your goal line, yeah. you're gonna, the goal line moved. And then uh, secondly, those, a lot of those achievements and successes are a lot more hollow than, yeah. than we think they are, if we're honest. So, you know, score a great touchdown on a Sunday and you get, you get what, 10, 15 seconds of celebration. If it was really good, they'll show you again on ESPN that night and then nobody remembers it ever. So it's just like success. So anyway, Bevere's thing is uh, the goal in life is not to achieve fill in the blank it's to actually multiply out of that mm. place and that's where you find true success and fulfillment i got so, two more all right hit them reappearing church great read specifically in our current climax uh, uh, cli uh climate mark sayers um really appreciate this read it's a little heady um but he does a good job of breaking it down practically and then the last one is another book we're doing with our groups called neighborliness by uh david dukason leading a, a group of young adults through that. It's a phenomenal read as it pertains to groups navigating issues of racial reconciliation. Very cool. There, there's one book that I, I have to, full disclosure that I am reading right now, um, but it's, it's by Mark Manson, The Subtle Art. I'm not going to finish the topic or the uh, title. You can Google it. It's actually a really good book. It's some heavy language, but it's, it's a pretty compelling book. Number four. In our uh, list, we'll go through these last two real quick. Number four, I love this one. Our listeners will love this one. So you're like, I'm not taking a cold shower. We'll do number four, um, eat a cinnamon bun. Ooh. Apparently there's this like, uh, they're called, yeah, K-O-R-V-A-P-U-U. -U. There's two U's in the word. Really? How do you pronounce that? We did that after we did oh, our yeah, hike. Yeah, we did. We did. We did, we we did, did three, three out of these five. <laughs> we did three of them. I'm a little curious to why oh, your mood's word. not better. What? I'm a little curious to why your mood's not better. Wait a second. This kidding. was last week. Yeah, <laughs> what, that wore off. Quick. <laughs> so, what are you saying, John? I was a little chippy I'm today. Just saying, I'm just I, was, I didn't say today. You said today. I didn't say today. Uh, but, but here, oh. like, so... Is it the actual cinnamon bun, or is this like eat sugar? I don't know. Uh, I'm just curious I'm because I'm, I'm all in on the cinnamon bugs, but buns, but I can cinnamon also do some Cinnamon buns are the perfect comfort food. Um, baked at home, they bring a cozy smell to the kitchen. Okay. Remind us of our childhood days, things like that. I think the uh, yeah 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 yeah. So we'll do we'll do a couple more of these. What's so. your favorite? What, what's your favorite comfort food? Quick. Oh. My wife's baked goods. Oh. Easy answer. Dude, your wife's, your wife's, I've told you this, but your wife's blueberry muffins are no joke. Mm -hmm. Favorite comfort food. I, this should be quick. I don't know. I re, uh, what's yours? Tell me yours. Uh, I like yodels. What are they? Yodels, the, the chocolate, um, th th you could call it a cake, but by host, uh, I think it's by hostess, you just rip them out the package. They, they look like Twinkies, but they're actually chocolate. Okay. And they have uh, cream in the middle. They're amazing. You're a pie guy. I am. I love pie. Pie's I mean, good. But but just food. I love, <laughs> I love food. You do meat. Like, Dear does meat. that count? Dear and meat. you're one of those weird people that the older the food, the better. 
Like you like it to sit out. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple days. Uh, he let, he would sit cheesecake out on the counter and still eat it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take oh, the conversation. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Didn't mean to take the conversation left. Refrigerators me. are such a myth. <laughs> <laughs> the myth of refrigerators. The myth of the we got a podcast title. We'll do it. Here's the final <laughs> thing, John. You'll you'll appreciate this. Enjoy art. Mm-hmm. Enjoy art. What it. What is it do you think about, or, or let, me, let me ask this question. We'll finish with this. Give a, somebody that, that would be a non-art lover, um, how, can they, like, how can they enjoy art? Give me like art 101. Like oh, it, it intimidates me. I don't know what's good, what's a good painting, what's a bad painting. It looks weird to me. How do I? Well, I would preface, and I don't know if this is, if they're talking about cl- cl- you know, classical painting or what, but art exists on so many different forms. It just does. Like, I, I'll give you a for instance. I, I, I have this album in my head right now that's masterfully done. Um, I'll give you the title of it. Uh, I, I can't get this song, these songs out of my head. I'm an artist, I'm an artist by nature, so I, I'm a very driven visual guy, but sometimes there's things audibly. Um, Brandon Lake's House of Miracles Every song just seems to be orchestrated differently. The tones. I think where people get lost in art is we feel like in our Instagram world that we approach art as a critic. And hmm. the way that you really should approach art is what is, what's it saying to me? So you almost make yourself vulnerable to what the art's trying to communicate, not trying to make the art vulnerable to what you're trying to communicate. Does that make sense? So... I think sometimes it gets overstated. It's okay for you not to like a painting. It's okay for you to not like a movie. It's okay for you not to like a book. You've taught me this about books, right? Because I think book writing is an art. There's times where I, I'm two chapters in, I'm done, and I'm okay. And I can say I've read that book. Now, maybe not yeah. cover to cover, but uh-huh. I've gotten what I need out of the book. I think if you take that same approach to art, there's times where you want to buy that painting because it just speaks to you. You've heard that before, right? It stops you dead in your tracks. Um, and there's this times where paintings don't do that. So be okay with both of those realities. So how, so how do I do this? And I, I asked this and I'm, I, I don't mean to, to yeah. be like, this just shows my ignorance, but like, if I look at a painting, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Um, I like it, but like, um, so like, what do, what do I take? How do I take the next step? Cause I don't even know like how to ask myself the question of how do I appreciate that painting? Even, even if I like it. Kind so of like, all right, it's kind of it's kind of like food. I mean, and I know that sounds crazy because taste buds, right? Your taste buds are different than Zach's taste buds. So it's okay that if you pick up both pick up cheesecake that's been left out for four days, <laughs> that your taste buds say, "Man, I want more of this," and Zach's taste buds make him vomit, right? Um, I think where we get lost is again when it comes to art, we try to now defend the taste buds. That's not the objective. I think really practically, what you need to do is move on from the piece. And find a painter that speaks to you. Find a form of music that speaks to you. I'm not, you know, I, what I just said about Brandon Lake, I don't necessarily feel with every, you know, person I listen to. But don't give up searching for that piece or for that artist that really does speak to you. Uh, I, you know, again, I my wife loves, like, Monet. She's really into the impression period. She loves those colors. I like it. I think it's cool. I, my art taste is a little bit more modern. But do you like, do, do you look at that stuff online? Do you go to museums? Like I'm a big believer in museums. 
I love online for research. I love online from time to time if I'm like going to buy a piece or something of that nature. But to me, um, like every other medium, like, you know, you watch a movie at home. It's good if you have a really nice TV and a good surround sound system. Like you can pay and the experience is there's nothing like watching Star Wars opening night in Adobe surround sound, you know, theater. I feel like paintings need to be appreciated on the wall with space. And, in, in, you know, and that some people can't do it and that's fine. And a good book will maybe do that. Like you can experience that through some books, but there are plenty of museums back to what Zach said about exploring your, your, your uh, surroundings. There are plenty of museums and local painters are sometimes the most interesting. Mm. I mean, Zach's got a coffee shop, right? Mm. Good drip. He's got a great local painter yeah. that puts all of her pour paint in there. I can sit in there for hours. I'm mesmerized by some of that. So speaking directly to that, we had somebody walk in and you just use this language. She walked into the coffee shop yesterday. All of our paintings are, are for sale. She looked at one. She goes, that one's speaking to me. I, I want it. What does it cost? And within, within three minutes of her being in the shop, she purchased the painting. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is it's a hunt yeah. to what speaks to you sometimes. And sometimes you don't have the time for that. And I, it's totally understandable. Yeah. Um, but I also would say explore different art forms too, man. There's, only, there's so many great artistic expression specifically right now in our world and yeah well certainly a lot of things out there chipping away at people's happiness um so hopefully you can take one or two of these ideas and put it into put it into practice um and and maybe maybe you're interested in the finnish people or the norwegian people i'm, I'm gonna keep diving into this this fascinates me i feel like i've kind of found something um, new to, to dive into and discover of like, wow, what, what is it? And is there, and does genetics come into play and what does, what role does religion have and fa family relationships and society and government? A lot of, lot of stuff in here. Maybe we'll hit it on another podcast. So for the record, before we conclude, yeah. the challenge is a, uh, we're going to do a cold shower every morning. We're going to be engaged in some kind of book, right? Which we, for the most part, are. That's not deal. And then we're going to each eat a cinnamon roll a day. <laughs> I mean, if we're in, we're all in, Pastor Doug. Like, we're either all in or this is not. And then we come back and we report it next week. We, we spend four minutes right up front saying, this is my findings. I, I think it's I scientific. Where do I cinnamon roll? I, I got the hookup. All right. So Jenna's going to provide the cinnamon rolls <laughs> is what I'm hearing. So 15 minutes in the woods. Yep. Um, or walking, or Whatever. 15 minutes outside. Yep. Some experience with cold water. Yep. And a cinnamon roll. And a book. And some kind of art. And so, some kind of art. So come back and report on your art. So, okay. Uh, whether it's painting or music, something that you just spent some time in. All right. Challenge? Deal. Accepted. Be happy. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everyone. All of our listeners, keep living lives of enthusiastic discovery.